0: Yes, hello and welcome to The Switzer Show. I'm Peter Switzer. I'm joined by my colleague, as always, Paul Rickard. Paul, how are you?
2: Uh, I'm great, thanks, Peter. I'm wondering how you are after your uh, Twitter battle on, on the weekend.
0: <laughs> you, you heard about it. I was I was trolled. I was um, you know, called all names under the sun. I think the W my name was uh, substituted with an H by, by one terrible person. But... Um, the, and, the, and the reason for that, of course, was that I'm out there saying, well, sure, house prices are going to fall, but they're not going to be um, uh, an Armageddon-type out, outcome, and a lot of people don't like that, so it seems strange that people want an Armageddon, but I guess it does take all types. Um, anyway, so we'll see what happens today, because I've written a 10 reasons why I'm not as scared as other people are when it comes to house prices. but. It's good to see that you joined in and defended me, Paul. I I, I no 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 you, no you didn't. I didn't see a, a a pro Switzer tweet from my colleague Paul Rickard. Well, Did you? Were you too busy to do it? Were you?
2: Look, I'm just too busy, Peter. But uh, that's a good segue <laughs> into our first guest today because I guess one of the, the the things that has held our property market up over the last couple of years has been the participation of, of foreign investors. Mm. Uh, and our first guest, I think, has got some interesting ideas and provides interesting service there.
0: Exactly. Monica, too, she's the founder and director of Black Diamonds Property Concierge. Great business. i catch up with Monica. I've, I've talked to, to her before. She's an award-winning business. She's won lots of awards for creating a great uh, Aussie business. Uh, but we'll also will then be answering some questions from uh, listeners who have sent, sent them into us. And then finally, we've got Tom Waterhouse. Um, Tom's going to join us, talking about his new... Tipping business, but also he will tip us what he and his father Robbie Waterhouse is quite a famous tipster when it comes to the Melbourne Cup. Tom's been on my show four times over the last five years, and four times out of the last five years, he's picked the winner of the Melbourne Cup. So he will give us his his uh, winners for the Melbourne Cup, uh, or the winner for the Melbourne Cup, and I do look forward to that as well. But I guess, Paul, without any further ado, let's welcome Monica Too, who I said is the founder and director of Black Diamond's Property Concierge. Monica, thanks for joining us.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Now, Monica, why don't you explain to my listeners what Black Diamond's Property Concierge is all about?
3: Uh, I created a property concierge business about eight years ago. So we have a focus on helping the new migrants uh, but not probably not just selling them a property, but how can we help them to be part of our community? That's our main focus, and it's been extremely successful. So we uh, sell them a house, or we help their children with the schools, and we help them to start the business, and somehow, we, uh, hopefully, we can lead their hand to be one of the value, uh, valuable community members of, of Australian society.
0: Now, Monica, is this the kind of thing that happens in china is that what um chinese property buyers would expect or is it something that you decided to do once you start to realize that lots of your fellow countrymen and women were coming to australia looking for property
3: Uh, actually that's a really great question i think people do not really expect service like that because this is like your know, service you know is very costly and service is you know it's very committing as well so so i've come to australia 30 years ago i really wanted a wish to have somebody who can help me not just selling me something but really help me to understand the community so i i, I guess i think this is probably one of the key success of our our um a real estate agency. So a lot of the agents probably just want to sell a property to new migrants. And and our company, we have a really strong team uh, behind us to help the agents in the front and also help these Chinese people, the new migrants, uh, especially the investment uh, migrants, to really uh, put their feet into our soil. Um, No, it's not what they expected, but uh, after eight years in the market, they really loved it.
2: And, Monica, what are the primary drivers for uh, the migrants coming to Australia? What, what, why are they coming? And, first of all, and secondly, when they're looking at property, what are the most important things they're concerned about?
3: I think uh, for the people I'm working with so far, is um, I think number one priority or reason they come to this country is probably the education. Mm-hmm. The education, you know, for Chinese families, uh, especially for this high net worth Chinese. Education for the next generation is very, very important. And the secondly, of course, it's a lifestyle. So we have a great community, great, um, you know, um, uh, for example, like uh, a lifestyle, something uh, about the weather and uh, the environment and um, yeah, uh, food, uh, health. And this is uh, one of the reasons the, the very wealthy Chinese are looking for, Australian, um, looking for a home in Australia.
2: And do they expect that their children will go back and live in China or, or is this as part of a permanent uh, migration?
3: I, I think the people I'm working with, uh, Paul, is, um, is more permanent migration. So, but again, you know, the children these days are very different from those days, you know, so we listen everything what parents say. But now the children probably can make their own decision. So after the graduation, they might work in here, in you know, Australia, in, in China, in the US. But the majority of my kind. I saw them, you know, the children actually settling in Australia really, really well.
0: Right. Monica, when I met you probably five years ago, it was going gangbusters. There were Chinese people coming here left, right and centre. They were putting deposits down on apartments and they were you know, moving into you know the, the leafy areas of Sydney and Melbourne, you know, looking for places for, you know, good homes and also places for the children to go to school. Have you seen a
3: change in that trend over the last two years? Oh, definitely. Um, um, when you met me like five years ago, I was like a baby, right? Mm. <laughs> I was actually <laughs> yeah. in the real estate. Yeah, so definitely, there's a big changes. So normally in the real estate market, there are two type of investors, two type of people. So the one is investors purchase a property purely for investment reason, so these people they they don't even have to be here. So they could mm-hmm. just you know look at the um the property purchase price, how much they can borrow, how much deposit they can put down, how much is the return. So that market is definitely slowed down a, a lot. So the reason of the slowdown is about, you know, the government changes, Chinese government and also Australian government and the bank lendings. So you will see a lot of empty, you know, uh, apartments for sale. Empty apartments, uh, the developer cannot sell. That market definitely has slowed down. So you will be slowed down for a very long time. And so for our uh, market, so we, um, I think I remember last uh, interview I mentioned to to you, Peter, and to your uh, uh, listeners, so the people we're working with, so they do need to have a visa. So they do need to have a permanent resident visa. So there's one particular visa I think you, your uh, listeners might be interested. It's called SIB, Significant Investors Visa. So what this visa do uh, last period uh, um, is actually started since 2012. So how many years? Now? About six years now. So we have uh, granted over 2,000 uh, people. So what is the qualification for these people? They need to invest $5 million into the Australian economy. Okay, so if you uh, calculate the figures, it's $10 billion injected in, into Australian economy. So, uh, the, the, of course, the money has to be legitimate and they will be a grand, uh, permanent resident visa and they can buy the properties that black diamonds are selling. So we're selling or we can sell a brand new home. Or brand new, uh, or second-hand home. So these are the people we're working with. So these people, I think, the last um, uh, phenomenal, right? Last uh, two and five years, investors visa, uh, investors visa, and the investment uh, uh, purchases phenomenal. But investors will slow down. But the people looking for a home in Australia, I think, will continue to grow.
2: And so, Monica, can the um, the clients that you represent on the significant investor visa, they can buy established properties but the investors can
3: only buy new properties is that is that 100 percent, that's correct yes the investors only brand new properties and whether you know sib visa holders they can buy established homes but they have to go through the foreign investment review board to get a special permit but they can buy second-hand properties
2: so when people talk about slowing down in investment out of china it's all to do with the investors and and the uh, lack of interest in apartments it's not to do with people looking to migrate under that uh, significant investor visa and buy more established uh, homes in the leafy suburbs
0: of uh, Melbourne and Sydney?
3: Correct, Paul. Right, okay.
0: Okay, so let's talk about um, what you think will happen to the investor market because from my point of view, Monica, if you tell me that the Chinese government isn't likely to relent on making it easy for Chinese investors to buy in the Australian market and APRA and the Australian government's also putting barriers in the way. People who complained about Chinese investors coming here and making it hard for first home buyers, you know, four or five years ago, it looks like first home buyers will get a chance to buy a lot of these properties that the, the, the Chinese investors will be trying to dump. Do you think that's probably going to be the case?
3: Oh, yeah, I, I think so, yeah. I think that, you know, um, obviously previously the first home buyers cannot afford the, the properties that Chinese investors are buying. Um, hmm. You know, now it's opportunity for them to buy. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say like, you know, because they couldn't buy it because of Chinese investment. So, you know, the, uh, they have a particular few areas that Chinese are really interested to in buy previously. For example, like hills hmm. you know, uh, uh, inner cities, yeah, and of course, they, I think this market is open for the for the Australian market to buy. Yeah, that, that's 100. percent Yeah.
0: And and what about your business going forward? Because you know, one one of the things that I've noticed with you, you you continually diversify. Because when you first started, you didn't have the concierge service effectively working out what a new arrival would need to live in in the country. Are there any other services that you you think you will you will add to help grow your business?
3: Uh, yes, Peter. So that's what keeps me really really busy. So the concierge service, you know, people think, oh my God, the concierge is just picking them from an airport and you know, take them to the golf course. I think concierge actually at the moment is in, uh, expanded to a different area. Uh, for example, we're really helping. Australian companies and the Chinese companies to understand both culture and the regulations. So we expanded to the PR and the marketing. So we're mm-hmm. helping, you know, uh, the uh, the companies like even Wine Australia to really understand the uh, China market. So yeah, I think I mentioned to you when I saw you last time. I- I'm actually hosting a grand Australian wine dinner to promote premium wines to the China market. With this, to this high net uh, Chinese business leaders market. So I'm, I'm doing hmm. that next week. And also for our Chinese uh, companies that want to invest to understand the cultures, we just guide them to the right direction. Really help help them because the culture is different, the regulation is different, and they really need people like us to uh, to to bridge a bit of gap to understand the both of the cultures. So and also you know like uh, we do a little bit of HR so uh, HR as uh, human resource to help Australian companies to employ the bilingual talents from uh, you know for all these new uh, graduate um, uh, bilingual speaking uh, Chinese talents. Yeah, the the business has expanded and it's been doing really really well.
0: Okay, well, Monica, as always, it's great to talk to you. I think you're a a great local entrepreneur with uh an international vision and uh, thanks for coming on the program.
3: Thank you so much Paul and please, uh, thank you for having me My pleasure
0: so that's monica too from from Black Diamonds and that's with the Z property concierge, and as I say, she's a quite exceptional um uh, entrepreneur. Coming up after the break, we'll be looking at some of the questions you guys have sent us in. Over the time, Paul and I will chew over those questions. And then after that, Tom Waterhouse with his tips for the Melbourne Cup. And now, a word from our sponsors.
1: Have you got a home loan? Do you know what you're being charged? Check your rate, and if it's more than 3.89%, call us at Switzer Home Loans. Our rate for a variable home loan is 3.89%. That's right, 3.89% is all you'll pay. Interested? Call 1300 664 339 or Google Switzer Home Loans.
0: Now, here's Switzy. Well, as we always say, that um, always talks about our headline rate, that's 3.89%, but that's also our comparison rate because we don't have a difference between Headline in comparison because we don't charge extra fees on our standard variable home loan. Now, Paul, um, before we start answering other people's questions, I've got a question for you. You're a bit of a numbers man. Melbourne um, Cup, what's your big tip?
2: Well, look, Peter, I'm not using numbers this year, but I'm using a, um, a formula that's based on where I've been last. And I was really attracted by one of the horses called the Cliffs of Moher. Uh, since mm-hmm. I was over there a couple of weeks ago and, uh, and was really impressed but by what clear. I said.
0: Well, Australians would have got cliffs of Moa, wouldn't they? But you, you, you've been out
2: idea. Uh, I Well, I hope I've got that right. Maybe, but uh, look, it's uh, I did see it, those cliffs uh, in Ireland, uh, I've said a, month, a couple of months ago. It's had good form. <laughs> what, I, what I did want to say about the Melbourne Cup, Peter, is it's just so hard now because I think 20 out of the 24 horses are, you know, Born and bred internationally, and um, mm. local form, you know, there's almost no guide. So I think you've almost got to stick with what one of the experts uh, uh, say because there's no other information. Um, unless yeah, you lining exactly. up's hard, isn't it? Lining up is hard. So I'm, I'm going for uh, I'm going for that horse. I hope I have got the pronunciation right. But if I haven't, well, I'll be significantly chastised. Uh, but the, a lot of the tipsters like it as well because it came. I think it came third in the Caulfield Cup and uh, it's got a good jockey in, in uh, uh,
0: Ryan Moore on board, so anyhow. Yeah, well, he's a, he's a good jockey, one of the best in the world. Now, my my interesting take on the Melbourne Cup is that I, I had a friend uh, who I know, I know through business and he had a share in a horse called Extra Brute that won the derby on Saturday and... I backed it the start before, and it ran like a hairy goat. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I thought, well, I better put something on on Saturday. So I put extra brute with Yucatan, which is the favourite for the Northern Cup, and I'm going to put $15 on it, and I'm going to win about over $800 if Yucatan wins. So I'm riding Yucatan all the way to the winning post.
2: I suppose the other one, Peter, is uh, the perennial um, place go or near place go who shot the barman's lining up again. I think it's his fourth run. So he's probably worth a, a bet for the each way, isn't
0: he? Yeah, without a doubt. And I think if I if I was forced to throw a, another one in, I, I think the, the Australian young star might actually be a, be a, a young star because it's got a very light white, drawn really well. So wait, but these are just two mugs talking. Let's wait for Tom Waterhouse mm-hmm. and... He always um, canvasses his dad's um, tips, and uh, Robbie's been doing it for a long time. And uh, a few years back, he gave us Green Moon at 25 to 1. So um and four out of five years, inside his first two tips, the winner arrived. So I think uh, uh, Tom's worth listening to later in the program. But let's go to our listeners' questions. What's the first one, Paul?
2: Well, the first one, I've got a couple of questions uh, this about banks. But let's deal with this one from, from Daniel. Um, he says, what are your thoughts on the banks, uh, and also adds a little bit this is after they fell a bit on uh, on friday and down initially today hmm. uh look i suppose to sum it up the banks reporting season is is by and large done and dusted we had day and and national Australia bank last week westpac uh, reported uh this morning uh look they're, they're okay i mean i think they're um uh, probably a co- a couple of common takes from the reports was that revenue growth is really tricky particularly the second half uh, margins are a bit under pressure because in part the banks are uh, you know, co- uh, really closing down so-called interest-only loans and uh, clients are refinancing through principal and interest loans. And of course, that, that, that they're at a lower interest rate, so they're, they're, that's one of the reasons why margins are under a bit of pressure, so there's a mix occurring. Um, and then I suppose the third take, yeah, credit con- conditions are, are re- really benign. But that said... You know, the reaction to the bank results has been okay, but really the market hasn't done a lot to them. I think there's value, Peter, but we've still got obviously got to get the Royal Commission risk is still out there, and the market
0: sort of, I guess, is still underwhelmed. My view is, Paul, that bank share prices could go a bit lower. If you bought um, today, I think in two years' time, provided there's no global stock market crash... The share price will be higher. I think um, I think the Australian economy is going to do well over the next year or so, and therefore banks will profit from that. But they're going to get the, they're going to get the the recommendations from the royal commission, they're going to get the election, the threat of labor all out of the way. So unfortunately, I, I don't think we're going to see a rebound in bank share prices for some time. I don't think they'll fall drastically from here and you still will pick up the dividend, but I guess the bottom line is there's no, there's no rush to buy. But if you're happy for a dividend of around 6%, which I guess grosses up to about 8%, it's not a bad bet, Paul.
2: Yeah, I, I was a, have been a bit more positive, but look I'm just watching what the market is doing, and I guess it's sort of taking your view peter that there's no hurry i mean the the good news out of the reports is that dividends have been maintained that there's really no uh negative news from the the banks i mean they're just a, a bit concerned about the fact how they're going to grow revenue, but they're all focused on costs and productivity um bad debts everyone expects bad debts to remain really benign they don't see they don't see signs of mortgage stress, so all that sort of talk yeah. is just uh is what it is is talk so Look, I think deep down, they're just being a bit conservative. Um, and uh, I think in dips, they're going to be attractive buying. Whether you're going, you know, if you've already got banks, whether you're going to put a lot of money in now, I don't know, maybe you just give yourself some more room because the market still, notwithstanding what, what you and I think is uh, is treating them a pretty, pretty warily at the moment. But uh, I think for our market to go higher, the banks will need to push it. So that's... Uh, that's the upside for me, and I think there is value there, but you're just going to have to be, you know, a little patient. That's that's what the way the market's playing at the moment.
0: Exactly right.
2: Okay, question number two. Well, this one's a bit more international in its outlook, Peter, and, uh, and the question is, um, do you think it's time to look at emerging markets as, I guess, as an alternative or diversification strategy? It's come from uh, mm. Anthony uh, and... Uh, Emerging markets, or in fact, most markets have done it pretty tough uh, this year because the US dollar has been so strong and all the money's been going into the States. And when that happens, everything else sort of gets left and, left and uh, gets blown away, doesn't
0: it? It sure does. And, and look, I think there's going to be a time, particularly when uh, and if America and China can crack a trade deal, when you will start seeing particularly Chinese stocks uh, rebound, and I think that then will lead to um, other uh, Asian uh, stock markets rebounding as well. And so from my point of view, I, I would be looking for some kind of an ETF, an exchange traded fund that has exposure to you know Chinese tech stocks in particular. Or even a combination of you know, the best um, Chinese uh, companies, which would include a lot of tech stocks. But there's also there's insurance uh, stocks, Alibaba, of course, is a tech stock as well. But there's also a retail stock. I think, from from my point of view, that's what I would like to have exposure to. But I think it it's like the banks. There's some some other things have to happen before I'd have the confidence to go in. And Paul, the way I usually invest for a stock that's gone off the boil is I'd like to see it hit the bottom and start going up and then get on. Even if I miss the first 4 or 5% of it, I can live with that. But buying something on the expectation has hit the bottom and it hasn't. And I'm just not sure whether the Chinese tech stocks and the other emerging type um, ETFs have actually hit the bottom.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think you're right, Pat. I mean, I, I'm probably more look- focused on the US dollar I, simply because that's, to me, the big driver for so much uh, or so many international flows, and when the U.S. dollar is strong, it's very hard for other markets to rally really hard. So, um, I, and in that environment, with with we saw the, the wage data data on the weekend in the U.S., uh, where you know. Uh, wages grew, I think, at 3.1%. People, that gave the bond market, a bit, yields went up in the bond market. So all the talk of higher interest rates, that's going to keep the US dollar strong in the short term. So I'd say until you really see the US dollar turn, go the other way, I'd be pretty wary of putting money in emerging markets.
0: Yeah, and I think the the ETF I'm eyeing off is one called, which is an iShares one, called uh, MG, which go, goes for the, the MSCI for the Chinese market. And that's probably a, a reasonable way to play it. But as I say, like last week, that lost 4%. So it, it doesn't seem as though it's it's ready now. But the day China and the US, that name some trade deal, I bet you, I bet all your wealth, Paul, that <laughs> MSCI would. With- like nobody's business
2: well that's not a lot to bet on Peter but um, i would be keen of some of your wealth but uh, let, okay, let's, okay. Uh, let's, let's look let's let go that the last question we've got Peter just in quickly in the time is about the Rio buyback and uh, yep which closes this Friday and the question is uh, should I accept and uh, look with Rio shares almost this morning hitting close to eighty dollars they're doing pretty well look it uh, my answer to buybacks, the off-market buybacks, BHP announced one last week as well, is that it's a tax transaction, and uh, if you're at a low tax paying, in other words, you're paying tax at 0% for an SMSF in pension phase, or 15% for an SMSF in accumulation phase, from a tax point of view, they'll generally make uh, good reason to accept, and then you've got to think about what you do with the money, if you're happy to sell your shares, fine, if you're not just buy the shares back on market and you'll be better off financially. So if, if you're paying tax at, you know, if you're a personal taxpayer paying tax at 47% or 37%, don't even worry about it. Just throw the offer in the in the waste paper bin. Uh, okay.
0: So, so, so basically what you're saying, if, if you've got a self-managed super fund and you're in the 15% tax bracket, you, you, you should say yes. Uh, and if you're in zero tax, yes. But at higher tax rates, you got to think. Um, well, you don't
2: say no. don't don't say no. So and again, yep. the key thing for those low-rate taxpayers is once you've said yes, think about what you can do with the money. And then yep. you know, if if you want to hang on to the exposure, if in other words you didn't really want to sell the Rio shares, do it for tax reasons, and then just buy them back on market.
0: All right, great stuff. That's great advice. Okay, that's our, um, our listeners' questions. We're going to have an ad break now, and after the break we have Tom Waterhouse with his tips for the Melbourne Cup. And now, a word from our sponsors.
1: Have you got a home loan? Do you know what you're being charged? Check your rate, and if it's more than 3.89%, call us at Switzer Home Loans. Our rate for a variable home loan is 3.89%. That's right, 3.89% is all you'll pay. Interested? Call 1300-664-339 or Google Switzer Home Loans. Too many people spend money they earned to buy things they don't want to impress people that they don't like. So stick with Switzer and get rich. Where are me teeth?
0: It's the kind of uh, money event on the calendar that... All the country is interested in It's when we throw caution to the wind and try and pick a winner in the Melbourne Cup. But I always like to go to experts when I'm investing my money and Tom Waterhouse and uh, his old man, Robbie Waterhouse, are experts when it comes to horse flesh. And so I always like to talk to them before the Melbourne Cup and Tom's got a record of four out of five on my TV show, so I thought, why not bring him on the podcast as well? Tom, welcome to the program. Thanks, Peter. Okay, this must be a big day for the Waterhouse family and businesses uh, on a day like the one before the Cup. Yeah, it's a massive
4: day in that um, the call of the card that they bet so big, you know. And it's always the day before Melbourne Cup they bet aggressive, and a normal Saturday you can only back things to win maybe five or ten thousand with a particular bookie. Where each bookie at the call of the card. I have to bet you to win at least a hundred thousand, if not a lot more. Mm. So uh, it's great coming here and, and, and betting up. Okay, so
0: this is the f- first year that you haven't been working in a bookmaking business, is that right?
4: It is. Since I, I left, well, left school actually, first year of uni, being a bookie, and uh, and uh, I've come here as a punter many years before. I came here as a as a bookie working at the caller card in in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. And uh, But yeah, I love coming here either as a bookie or as a punter and, and just betting.
0: Okay, so you know you made the point that this is a place where you can get a really big bet. So you're saying even at Flemington tomorrow, people couldn't get set for, like for example, you put a very big bet on a horse called Rostopovich. Would it be hard to get set at the races for that magnitude?
4: Yeah, so the bookies have to bet you to win 5,000 individually tomorrow at the races. And where they have to bet you individually here to win 100,000. And uh, they also bet more aggressive odds generally here. Um, so I, I remember the first year I worked at the Caller card, um, I, had to back, or I had punters betting with me and they were betting things, backing things to win $2 million. Today I backed uh, Rostropovich to win a $1 million. Um, took $26. It may start around that price tomorrow, but to get on for that kind of volume is very tough outside of the Caller card. And, and that's why I backed it so big here. And, mm. uh, and also backed Villius to win half a million. I'm still going to back it for some more. Um, but yeah, no, I think both those horses got a good chance. Okay,
0: so, but Tom, you've now got a new business because you're out of William Hill and you're out of Tom Waterhouse bookmaking. What, what's the new business?
4: Well, yeah, I've been a bookie well, most of my life now and uh, learnt from my dad and my grandfather and, and then obviously um, started TomWaterhouse.com and then ran William Hill in Australia. And it's, you see how hard it is for, for punters to win. The, the odds are against them and very few punters actually win out there. There's a, a small group, a dozen or so professional punters that win a lot, but the average punter, it's tough over the long term. And the reason being is uh, most don't know how to do the form, they don't know how to stake correctly, and they don't know how to get on at the best price. And so I thought, well, I know how to do that, mm. and and why didn't I show people how I win betting, and, and what sort of rules you need to follow to do it. And I didn't know if it, there would be a huge appetite for it or if um, people would be interested in it but they have been and basically set out the rules of how to look for the right horse um, how to stake, how much to have on it and, and how to get on at the right price whether it's looking across the exchanges, the totes, how many bookmaker accounts to have open um, and really just trying to show them how they can win betting and it doesn't mean they're going to win betting because you have to have a huge amount of discipline to follow that day in day out and stick to the staking plan but it's uh, I'm, I'm basically showing them how we we do it how we win betting and how professional punters win. how's the
0: market reaction so far
4: but it's been great I, i've been surprised actually with the appetite um that people have had for it in that it's it's been yeah it's something different because mm. most people i don't know of any other person's gone out there and put his name and, and his reputation to try and show people how to win betting most people that have put their name out there have been taking bets mm. But it's it's a hard task to basically put your name out there and say, look, I believe you can win betting like this, and, mm. and it's going great. Our uh, gold package, which our main package, is up over 35% return on investment since we started. Our silver package is up over 60% return on investment, and um, but you have to follow the rules, and that's mm. hard. It's not to say everyone would be up that because if you don't follow the staking plan, if you go and say, actually I like gay's horse in the next, and Tom hasn't tipped on to have this, or right. I liked. Uh, Darren Weir's horse. You can't just pick and choose. Mm. You have to follow relentlessly, and you have to be relentless <coughs> about getting on at the top of the market. So,
0: in a sense, it's a disciplined approach. And someone who, who embraces your your business uh, model is going to have to educate themselves on how to punt differently uh, put, to get different results. Yeah,
4: exactly, punt differently, and make sure they have the discipline to do it, and have, make sure they also have the time to open up accounts with all the different bookmakers and follow it. But it's it's interesting because there's no school for bookmaking hmm. you know and I've lucky I've had my grandfather and my dad we live and breathe it I speak to them all the time how to win betting how to win bookmaking how to look at odds how to weigh up probability uh, it's it's second nature to me but for most people they're just looking at the color of the horse and doing it once a year
0: yeah and you're offering some sort of money back guarantee which seems courageous
4: Yeah. so look I thought well if if I can't Show a positive return for members. I don't want to be taking their money, so I basically set up the gold membership, which has a money back guarantee that if you show a negative return in your first 28 days of joining, you get your subscription money back, and at least allows members to see well, does this work for me? Is it what Tom's been telling me that it's about? And um, and yeah, the response's been great, and um, the returns also been great for members, and and I, I think it's. Um, it's something different.
0: Is there added pressure on you the fact that it's, it's Cup day tomorrow and your followers, your subscribers, will expect you to come out with a, a Melbourne Cup tip, but this is one of the hardest races in the world to put your reputation on. Uh, so are you doing that? Yes, yeah, giving... so look,
4: look, the members that have been with me for a long period now, um, they realise that it's much much easier to find a winner at um, Mortlake or, or Doomben tomorrow than it is uh, or Morfittville, or wherever, yeah. than it is Race 7 Flemington, but the members that are new will expect me to pick the cup winner, which... Of course. Um,
0: which... you've done it on uh, my program numerous times. Well, that's
4: right. It will, I have a great record betting in the cup, but it, when you take a sample set of one, you can have... It's, mm. it's luck on a sample set of one, and the members that have been there for a long period of time and seen it with a decent sample set, I'm sure they'll be happy whatever the result is, but the new members, yeah, if I don't pick the cup winner, they'll probably be Going, Tom's got no idea what he's talk, talking about.
0: Mm. Uh, Tom, let, let's just talk about how you invest your own money. If you're, yep. if you're not, you know, in the bookmaking scene, how else do you invest your money?
4: Uh, property, um, the big U.S. tech stocks, just for, for a passive investment. Yeah. But for me, I, I prefer to put money into in my own businesses and mm. and and really the areas that I know and, and to get return in terms of betting wise. I can always and bookmaking and, and this industry. I, I know. Uh, a lot about it, yeah. and so they're the businesses or the things I want to put money into uh, my own businesses. But in terms of passive, not think about it, more property and and those big big US companies, they've done pretty well. But uh, my, I'd always prefer to put money into my own businesses. I mean,
0: you've been intrigued with Bitcoin lately, haven't you? Yeah, Bitcoin.
4: Um, obviously, the the just the growth in the gambling sector in the in the betting sector, the biggest betting companies in the world since two thousand and fourteen have been cryptocurrency only bookies. Uh, And they just sprung up from nowhere. Very small, um, team size. They don't have great user experience, don't have any marketing. But they've allowed um, that cross-border transfer of of value for people in countries that couldn't normally transfer money across Mm. to be able to bet. And um, we were astonished by the growth in 2014 and and started investing in the space and and partnered with RightClick Capital in this blockchain global holdings, which is invested in a a stack of different blockchain Businesses and and the main one has been um, Listed Reserve, which is a wholesale index fund, um, first Australian financial service licensed um, Australian bank account, offering an index of the top twenty blockchain assets mm. for high net wealth and wholesale investors, and really for people that go well, I want it, I'm interested in the space. It's a it's a new growing space, but I don't have the time to set up um, private wallet and and remember my private keys mm. and put into all the KYC. They can just invest in our in our fund and and. Mm. And have exposure to the space, so it's
0: a private list of funds, yeah. It? It's a,
4: a, just a, a wholesale a private wholesale fund, and and, um, hmm. and uh, yeah, it's been it's just in
0: case people are interested, what was the name of it again?
4: So, listedreserve.com, yeah. Um, you can go to the website, and okay. um, yeah, and, and it's, they've done it in a, a difficult period. It's hmm. um, since it's been up since operating in terms of return, um, in a market's down 30 to 50 percent,
0: yeah. Good, yeah. Finally, people want me to. Put you on the spot. So you, you've told me yep. the horses you've backed, but if you had to put them in order of in terms of the magnitude of money you put there, and therefore yep. get it, what, what would you, what, what do you want to go on the record as, as being the, the so horses? I'm going to back Avilius to win yep. uh,
4: another half a million or try and get on to, to win another half a million. I think he's yep. got a great chance. Yep. Um, uh, $13, $14 I think is value. Hmm. Um, and I think Rostropovich at the 25 to 1, I think those two are, are definitely the horses that I'm going to, if they win, it'll be a great day. But I'll bet around the edges and a few other roughies as well.
0: All right, Tom. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, better. Thanks. Well, that was Tom uh, Waterhouse uh, on the Melbourne Cup. Let's hope he's right, Paul. I hope you're right too. Can you have two winners? And uh, <laughs> I, I hope I'm, <laughs> I'm right as well. So. Maybe it could be a three-way tie. Uh, so until next week, that's the Switzer Show. Thanks for joining us, and I wish you good luck with the Melbourne Cup. Clinton time! Clinton time! Yeah. <laughs>